Welcome to a special edition of Breaking Badness. In this episode for the Human Element miniseries, we're joined by Allie Mellon, security and research writer at Cyber Reason. We sat down at RSA to discuss election security, Operation Blackout, the three planes of cyber attacks, and security self-care. This special episode of Breaking Badness is next. All right, so I am here. I'm very excited. I'm between two ferns, so I'm waiting for Zach Galifianakis to walk out and ask me for money and sue me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm here with Allie Mellon from Cyber Reason. Allie, it's so nice to have you on the podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, my pleasure. As we all try to survive, we are in day three of RSA. We are. <laughs> We're all trying to drink a lot of water, I think, and um, just not die. It's probably the <laughs> mental place we're all at at this point. <laughs> so things might get goofy. Um, <laughs> but um, Allie has been doing some fantastic work, which I want to get into later. Um, but the first thing I like to start talking about is just some reflections on the event and you know this is a great opportunity for us all to come together in person which is really nice it's like seeing old friends Um, and think about what's changed over the past year and where I like to start is what we're doing right what have we improved since 2019 RSA yeah so this is a great question and I think that something that we're doing really well this year is everyone is engaged everyone is looking at demos, working together. It feels like there's not a lot of um, contention between the vendors. Everybody is like pushing to unite. So that's really nice. And there's a really good turnout from a diversity standpoint. There are a lot of great women and great people of color here. There are a lot of women presenters. There's a lot of diversity, which has been very cool. And RSA has been great about it. They actually hosted a women in security event yesterday and gave the space to us for free, which was awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was. I didn't know they did that. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. Cool. That's fantastic. Yeah, I feel like the the cliched line, but I'm like, okay with it, obviously, is um, there's a line in the women's restroom. How exciting. (laughs) Like, when else in life do we get to be excited about that? Um, (laughs) Than you know our entire job and industry, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. And you're right. I feel like there's a lot more collaboration and just people are more aligned. Totally. Um, something that's been coming up, obviously, in other interviews is people are saying that they're they're seeing fewer buzzwords. There's not like a a buzzword du jour of RSA. Yes. Would you agree with that? I am so thrilled to have only seen AI like a few times, like five times. <laughs> and maybe that person's name was just Al. Yeah, I can you be hopeful know. here. <laughs> I mentioned this on another interview, but I'm so obsessed with the one tweet from PHP CEO. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that Twitter account before? Yeah. Where it's like, I love that it's all caps too. Like you just imagine <laughs> someone yelling in a basement. Um, but it was like, where do I find this Al? I want to hire Al. <laughs> I've heard so much. Um, but I want to talk about something super cool that I really wanted to attend. I was actually really looking forward to it. That happened on Monday afternoon. Yeah. So, Allie, can you tell us about Operation Blackout? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, um, Cyber Reason has been hosting election tabletop exercises 
that focus on election security. So we bring in attendees from um, federal and local law enforcement, including the FBI, DHS, and we bring in a group of ethical hackers and we place them against each other. No coding is required, but we go back and forth on turns and try to secure election day. So the hackers are trying to cause chaos, but not actually um, end the election. They're just trying to basically sow doubt in the results and this exercise. And then um, law enforcement is trying to defend against it. So it's really an exercise to understand the adversary in the scope of election security and try to think of imaginative ways to help prevent these type of attacks from happening. That is so cool. Thank you. What, can you speak to any of, were there any surprising things that happened on Monday? Yeah, so Monday was an interesting event because this was the first one that we ran where it was solely journalists. Ooh. Yeah, so they were on the red team. They were trying to hack the election. <laughs> and it was very cool to see. Um, so when we have ethical hackers do it, they usually target physical systems like the electric grid. Okay. But the journalists were obsessed with the misinformation. <laughs> so they were spreading a lot of misinformation, which was really cool to see the difference in um, mindset. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah that's when, when we were talking about it before the show, that's where my mind went is like, what... Mm. What tomfoolery can I get up to here and spreading lies? Yeah. You know? But, you know, across the board, everybody has been trying to do deep fakes. <laughs> that has been a fun thing. We um, One of our data scientists wrote a whole byline article on deep fakes from a social perspective that's terrifying. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, one of the things that we see people doing in these tabletop exercises is trying to hack into the municipal accounts, like the municipal Twitter accounts, things like that, mm. so that they can spread this disinformation from a trusted source, which really uh. changes the narrative very quickly, as opposed to having like a whole botnet set up to just spread something. Right. Um, so our CISO, Sam Curry, talks about this a lot and basically talks about the three planes of cyber attacks. So there's the infrastructure plane, which is physical, and then there's the ethos plane, which is uh, your belief system. And then the information plane, which is the things that you see and the misinformation that you see. And I think that attacks like deepfakes, not only do they target the, um, the information plane, but they really also start to get at the ethos. And they start to get at like how we see ourselves as Americans or as Italians or wherever we are because of how our politicians are looking to the rest of the world. Wow. That's terrifying. That's really helpful to break it down in those three different layers or planes, like you were yeah. saying, of the different ways we can mess with the integrity of our democracy, which is no yeah. small thing, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really a team effort, which I think is important to note, too. Something that we see in these tabletop exercises is that the government, they are very restricted in what they can do because, rightly so, they don't want to infringe on our rights. But that means that companies like social media companies, like critical infrastructure companies that are privately owned, they really need to take their security seriously because it actually does have an impact on our democracy. 100%. And that security versus privacy conversation is so nuanced, too. But I feel like it's yeah. in this day and age, it is coming up on a daily basis. We're really trying to find a balance in our legislation from a social perspective 
it'll be very curious over the next decade to see how this all plays out. Yeah, I think the security versus privacy debate is so interesting because it's different for different uh, groups. Like the security industry has their own issues with it and government has their own issues with it. And they overlap a little, but there's a lot to think about. There really is. um, I went, it was a few years ago to uh, an ISSA event and the speaker was talking about throwing encryption parties. And he had some really interesting thoughts. I can't remember their name off the top of their head. Otherwise, I'd give them props for this. Um, around ways to describe to people why security and privacy aren't mutually exclusive. And it was really helpful for me to hear it in that particular vein around, I think he was talking about, you know, do you have curtains in your home? I think, <laughs> yeah. well, then are you doing something wrong? Um, <laughs> but kind of what you're speaking to on that side, we want our privacy because we know the what happens with our data and the potential risks of the interwebs, if you will. Totally. Um, But then we also use a lot of that information to help protect people. So there's a contradiction that exists in our own space, which is very interesting. Yeah, it really does come back to trust. Yes. Figuring out who you can trust. (laughs) Ooh, trust. A tricky thing. (laughs) Especially with these uh, these deep fake videos and such. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, going back to my original question, we're talking about what we've done well or better. What do we need to improve upon when we come back together in 2021 here at RSA? So I personally am not a huge fan of the conference, the way that conferences are run in general. I think that admittedly RSA runs a really great conference. Everyone um, knows this, but I think that it would be really great to see some of the companies here choosing a different way to approach the conference, Mm. a more um, eco-friendly way. Maybe it's not giving out t-shirts. Maybe it's instead donating clothes to the homeless in San Francisco. Something that makes us feel better about being here because it's very weird to be in this room with all of this wealth with all of these expensive booths and then to go outside and see people really struggling that's something doesn't seem right about that right that would be incredible if we could use these conferences as a way to invest in the community they're being held like truly give back not just your sponsorship money to the particular you know place that the conference is being held but to the actual group itself in the community. Absolutely. I love that idea. It's fantastic. I would like to ask you kind of a silly question that I've asked a few people. And you can take a second to think about this because this is not an easy one to answer. But if you could describe security as a breakfast food, what would it be and why? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If you're hungry, I'm sorry, because this probably just made you more hungry talking about (laughs) breakfast food. So, have you ever had Queen Amon? I can't say I have. So, it's this very (laughs) excessive pastry. (laughs) Um, I don't believe there's such a thing. (laughs) It's like a sweet croissant. So, many layers. It kind of looks like a muffin. And um, lots of butter and lots of sugar. And I've made it a few times, and it's delicious. But it's very difficult to make, and it's very excessive. (laughs) You enjoy eating it, but you feel a little sick afterwards. So that all kind of reminds me of security. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. I love seeing where people go with that question. That's really great. 
Now I'm, I kind of want an excessive pastry. Now. I'm going to be honest with you. Sugar and butter, where could you go wrong? I know. It's a good way to take a little nap after, too. You just got to plan for some time to recover. Yeah. Just like you do in security. There you go. <laughs> Heavy the parallels burnout. just continue. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a question I'd love to ask you. If, if you have any advice for people in the space, we talk a lot about the skills gap, but... What I think is important to discuss more than anything is the burnout component and the mental health component, um, which is something that I think we're doing a better job of discussing in the industry. But if you had any advice for people, especially like blue team defenders, on how to like take care of themselves and be kind to themselves with a job that's really stressful and creates a lot of anxiety in their life, what what would that be? Totally. This is a really important thing, and it's something that I've struggled with a lot. Um, it's hard not to just go into work when you get up and then leave when you feel comfortable leaving, which ends up being like 8 p.m. Right. <laughs> um, I think that what's helped me the most is identifying habits that I do every single day. Okay. So every morning I do yoga every single morning hmm. and I meditate every single morning. And that has helped me so much because it's just it's immediate me time. Every morning, I have time for me that I can just know that I'm going to be doing something good for my mental health and my physical health. So I try to set up stuff in the uh, morning and then in the evening, too. And that helps me actually leave work on time because I know that I have to do these things when I get home that I enjoy. That makes sense. That sounds like a great approach. And just having that set up where you can remove yourself from the work context and transition into being just a person again is totally very nice yeah very hard to do i think yeah. that airplane mode is always a good thing <laughs> yes yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more so not to to be problematic after what you just talked about here we're finding like you know getting away from work really emotionally and physically to have time to yourself but let's say if you're carving out time within your work day to do this what are some recommendations you have for folks the security world, anything with tech is changing mile a minute, right? What can you do to stay on top of that and continue to make sure you're um, you're educated on the things that are important to your role as a security person in the industry? I use Feedly, and I check it every day. That's another one of my habits, but it's one of my work habits. <laughs> is I just keep track of different blogs and different things that um, different like news sources and check out the latest. I'm also on Twitter, but you know, Twitter can be a little much sometimes. <laughs> what? <laughs> but um, reading the news and keeping up with podcasts like these is yeah. a really great way to do it. That's awesome. Are there any um, particular blogs that, or publications that you find super helpful? Yeah. Well, since I am a writer, I have to pitch the Cyber Reason blog. <laughs> <laughs> we put out new pieces um, very regularly and new research. Um, but I also find things like, I love Threat Post. It's what Ooh, I started yeah. reading when I first got into the industry. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, I also really like the SANS webinars. Ooh. They're so informative. Big fan. They're free. It's yeah. like free training, basically. Yeah. It's just been really great. And then um, actually our CISO, Sam Curry, he has a blog on Forbes. He contributes to Forbes. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he does much more like thought leadership pieces into the future, but they're really, really great. And he has a great perspective. That's awesome. I'm going to definitely have to check all those things out. Is there any research um, that you've been, been writing about that you found particularly interesting as of late? Yeah. So recently, within the past month, we released a research on... um, 
attacks targeted attacks on Palestinians. Interesting. Which was a very interesting, um, pretty average malware, like pretty average type of attack. Okay. Started with a phishing attempt, like very basic, but still, um, it's interesting to see how targeted certain attacks are getting, especially from nation state actors. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting too because it's not necessarily like the sophistication of the TTPs they're using. It's how well do you know your audience, sort of thing. Totally. Just being able to social engineer to some extent too, I'm sure. Yeah, if it ain't that. broke, don't fix it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's phishing, and yeah, like that's just phishing, right? We all know that it's gonna work. <laughs> yeah, it's always gonna work. We're never getting rid of email. Um, we didn't really think through that very well, did we, when we started that electronic <laughs> communication? Um, well, what's yeah. interesting, too, is we're seeing attacks that are targeting companies that are from nation states, mm. which is um, an interesting, like, really much more difficult to counter crossover because you end up with these companies. Like, uh, last year, we had a bunch of telecommunications providers we did research with, and they were all um, targeted by what's suspected to be a Chinese threat actor. Interesting. Yeah, so they were very specifically targeted, even though they were privately owned companies. That's interesting. I would be curious too, because it's China, right, that maps out their like five-year strategy for their offensive security. So I'd like to go look and see if that maps to their OKRs. Is someone just going a little rogue, or I'm sure it has something to do with some of their goals and objectives. So yeah, really interesting. You know, it's really interesting because in that particular case, they were trying to get um, call data records. So they were tracking the location of these people, who they wow. were calling. It's a horrifying amount of information that you can get on someone, um, all things considered, fairly easily. That's very interesting and terrifying. Mostly terrifying. <laughs> Well, I want to be really respectful of your time. And just as we started this conversation on a positive note, I'd like to end it on a positive note. Um, and think, you know, security can be so thankless. A lot of people are working really hard, putting their emotional health on the line on behalf of their user. Um, are there any people you like to give props to or that inspire you? Yeah, there are two people that I think of immediately. Um, the first one is Chloe Misaji. She's Amazing. She um, organized the WOSEC event yesterday. And I see her at conferences all the time, of course. And um, she's a really supportive and cool person. And then the other one is um, Tanya Jenka, who, oh my God, I don't think there's a more supportive person on the planet. <laughs> she's so sweet, so smart. Um, both of those ladies are, are really great. That's awesome. And I, I was so lucky to meet Chloe for the first time at this show. Oh, we actually good. recorded one of these interviews. Awesome. So I'll have to let you know, I'll let her know that you said that before yours is published. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I will save everyone from that internal monologue that was happening externally now. <laughs> um, I hope you have an excellent rest of your conference and have some time to relax and, and get back into your routine. Thank you. Yeah, same to you. And thank you for having me. Anytime. <laughs> That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't freaking click.